You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed when they... Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 27. Today's reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 28 and 29, and chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we're now anticipating Holy Week, uh, although under very unusual circumstances. And again, the Church, in her wisdom, places this passage on the eve of Lazarus Saturday. And here we receive from St. Paul a laundry list of sorts full of instruction, and we hear many things that are often repeated and stressed to us with great importance, and even more so during Great Lent. I'm sure we'll unpack some of these uh, things in a moment, but maybe we should begin with the first verse from our reading today that says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Given all the unrest in the world today due to the current pandemic, I think this is a timely reminder for us. Father, what would you say about this opening verse and the current situation in our world? Uh, The first thing I would say is that at least in this world, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, as FDR once wisely said. We need to be reminded that the only thing, the only person we should fear is God. Because as we discussed a couple of episodes ago, he alone holds our judgment in his hands, our eternity in his hands. So my approach from the beginning of this pandemic as a pastor has been to stress the concern and care we should have for the most vulnerable members of our society. In other words, my emphasis has not been on how we individually and personally should fear coronavirus, but rather how we should be careful and considerate and mindful of others. So that means that we do things like staying home as much as possible, uh, that we social distance, that if we are ill, we isolate, unless or until we need to seek medical care and so forth. Not because we fear for ourselves, but again, out of love and respect for our neighbors and especially our most vulnerable neighbors. Father, that actually ties into what I was planning to ask as my last question today. Uh, Near the end of our reading, St. Paul quotes from Psalm 117, verse 6. It says, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? So I thank you for offering these thoughts on fear and how we should not be 
scared or panic for our own sake, but rather be disciplined in what we do for the benefit of others. What are some other things you think we could or should be doing during this time? Well, it really almost goes without saying, but we should obviously be praying for the vulnerable, for the ill, those who are caring for them, those responding to medical calls, the first responders in certain cases, uh, potentially here, uh, as it sounds like, even uh, the National Guard and anyone else negatively impacted by this situation. Uh, We should also be praying as we do in our services for the civil authorities and that God would guide them. We should pray that God would be with the victims of this terrible disease as most of them are dying alone without any of their family around, often without them ever having an opportunity to say goodbye to their loved ones as people are being restricted from the hospital. So we should pray that God would be with them and comfort them and their families, and we should be looking for opportunities to financially assist families and victims of this as those opportunities present themselves, whether in our own communities or through a wonderful agency such as IOCC, International Orthodox Christian Charities, who is already helping to deal with this tragedy across the globe, and I imagine will continue to do so in in the days and probably even for months and years ahead. I think another group of people we could forget would be those who are feeling depressed during this isolation. I mean, I'm naturally an introvert, but even so, uh, this isolation is getting to me emotionally. It's difficult. We were not meant as human beings to be alone, as we heard early on and have discussed before in the book of Genesis. God made us to be social beings, and we need that almost as much as we need air and water. So we should be sure to be reaching out to people we know who might be depressed or lonely or isolated during this time. I know many of us priests are doing everything we can to help people stay connected and engage with each other and with the services during these strange and and unique and, and troublesome times. But that isn't enough. We need the lay people to be working the phones and sending cards or messages to people so we can remain as connected as possible while still being wise and careful for the sake of the vulnerable. And then I think the final group I would add would be those who are now negatively impacted economically by this situation. I'm hearing in the past two weeks alone an unprecedented 10 million people just in this country have filed for unemployment. Countless others have taken pay cuts or are close to being laid off, depending on what happens here in in the days and, and weeks ahead. And that can bring all sorts of hardships on individuals and families and entire geographical regions. Most of these people, almost all of them, about a month ago, never saw this coming. Many of them felt, and rightfully so, that they were secure. So it's a real jolt, virtually out of nowhere, something that pretty much none of us were prepared for. Even those who foresaw this coming when they learned about what was going on in China only had about six to eight weeks of foresight on everyone else. And even then, it's not like a person can just you know, change careers or altogether avoid uh, this sort of economic calamity in that amount of time. Yes, it's a very sad situation all around. And a lot of people have been damaged by the pandemic, not just those who have been ill or lost their lives or their loved ones. Undoubtedly. Uh, At the same time, I don't want to be, you know, total gloom and doom. Because as Christians, we have hope. As Christians, we have hope not only in the life to come, but in this life. We have hope that love will conquer over this death and destruction in the long run. And we have now, as much as any time I can remember in my life, an opportunity 
to actually live out our faith. We have a great opportunity to put into practice some of the things that St. Paul mentioned in the passage you read today. As you noted, St. Paul said, we have received grace. And uh, as I continually point out, the gospel is very clear. Because we have received grace, we are to show grace to others. And now those of us who have received grace from God have the responsibility, the duty as Christians to show grace to others. God has invited us to do this by first being gracious to us. On that note of grace, and you also mentioned love conquering death and destruction, St. Paul reminds us to continue brotherly love, to care for the prisoners, that marriage is honorable, not to covet, and to be content with the things we have, among other things. And maybe the last one I mentioned, not to covet, or to be content with the things we have, is especially important in the current state of the world. You spoke about this in a recent sermon, Father, that many of us are only thinking of ourselves and are hoarding food and other items without any regard for our neighbor. Would you comment on this for us? Yes, it's understandable why people might feel the need to hoard food or toilet paper or hand sanitizer or masks. But fundamentally, when you look at it, it's a very selfish act. And I'm saying this not to condemn anyone per se, but to note once again, as I often do, that a big part of the gospel is overcoming our biological impulses and tendencies. And one of those tendencies is covetousness, which in many ways is a manifestation of a lack of faith in God's providence for us. I really didn't realize how deeply this theme of non-possessiveness, of anti-covetousness, ran in Scripture until I learned of and began to read the Desert Fathers, and then in seminary learned more deeply uh, about the Scriptures. One of my favorite stories from the Desert Fathers, and I'm going to paraphrase here, is about an elder and his disciple. And I'll use modern-day language or imagery so people can better understand. Uh, Anyway, uh, to put this in more modern terms, they were walking out in the middle of nowhere, and the elder was leading the disciple. He passed by a nickel that was laying there and just kept going. The disciple behind him saw the nickel and picked it up. And the elder asked him, Why did you pick up that nickel? Did it belong to you? The disciple said, No, it's out here in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't belong to anybody. And the elder said, Well, if it doesn't belong to you, why did you pick it up? And then the disciple realized his mistake and he went and put it back because it wasn't his. So he had no right to claim it, even though it was relatively uh, no value and out in the middle of nowhere, not belonging to anyone. The point is, it didn't belong to him. And I think this is a valuable story, especially in our society today, a society based, in my opinion, not even on what we would call traditional capitalism, but based on consumerism. And I'm sorry to go on this brief aside, but you see this come through in the way many Americans have handled this COVID pandemic, something I really haven't seen to this degree in any other society struggling with it. Uh, Specifically, you have this mindset that we've got to hurry up and get people back to consuming things. Forget about people made in the image of God who may prematurely and unnecessarily die or suffer because of that type of behavior. We've got to get people back to consuming because that's how they're valuable. They aren't valuable as simply a human being made in the image of God. They're valuable as a consumer. And if they aren't consuming, then they're no longer so valuable in our society. And unfortunately, I've witnessed this attitude among people who uh, often would claim that they are pro-life. But if we're going to be pro-life, 
then we have to view every living human being as worthy of dignity and life, a life that would not end prematurely or unnecessarily because we need to get back to being consumers. Anyway, that, that's not what I said in the sermon that you referenced, but as I've said before, this podcast is nice because we can expand on some of the things I didn't say in the sermon. Yes, thank you for that. And perhaps then we can conclude with you maybe reiterating what you did say in your sermon. Uh, sure. My, my basic point in the sermon was about how we tend to be judgmental. But in the end, it's not really a difference of us being more moral than the people we judge. Rather, it's a matter of us being in a different situation, having a different context. So sometimes we look down on others and judge ourselves as being morally superior, but it's really just a matter of us being under different circumstances. And the example I gave comes from our parish's hosting of homeless families through our partnership with an organization called Family Promise. We've noticed and, and been taught through training with that organization that kids, especially in homeless families, tend to hoard food. At first, some of our people were judgmental about that and could be frustrated by it. We have since learned there's a perfectly legitimate biological reason the kids do this. It's not because of moral failures. It's because they don't know if and when they will get their next meal or snack. So when there is plenty, they hoard and compete against the other families and the other kids to ensure that they have enough. And again, those of us from even the lower middle class to the upper class tend to view this scenario as some sort of moral failure or weakness. So my point in the sermon is, look at us now. We don't currently have a shortage of food, but we think we might. So what do we do? We hoard. The only food shortages in American grocery stores, at least as of this moment, is not due to any sort of defective supply chain. It's due to middle class and upper class people hoarding food because they're concerned not about what is happening, but about what might happen. And so my point in this is to by no means judge or condemn those who are hoarding, but rather for us to see that we're very often hypocritical and these difficult times reveal that hypocrisy. And that should not evoke in us a sense of guilt, which is essentially useless in changing long-term behavior, but rather a sense of compassion and grace. Again, God has been gracious to us, so let's be gracious and forgiving and compassionate to others in return. In my opinion, we need to quit viewing all of these types of behaviors through a lens of morality. Instead, we should look at living as a purely biological being versus being created in the image of God. That is to say, once again, that our goal as Christians is to rise above the level of living like all the other animals, who essentially live according to instinct, to their biological impulses. We can rise above that as human beings. So quit being judgmental about people who live according to biology and show by our own life and our own teaching that we can do better, that we can rise above that, and live as being uniquely created in the image of God, that we can transcend the limitations of our biological instincts and impulses. Great insights during very challenging times. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we examined a passage from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews and how we might apply his instruction to our current situation. On the subject of fear, Father Aaron stressed that rather than allowing fear to consume us, we should direct our concern and our care for those who are most vulnerable. This involves us being careful and considerate, not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. 
We should be praying for all those affected by this pandemic, whether for reasons of illness or death, for those who are caring for the ill, for those experiencing financial hardship, and for those who are experiencing depression. Father reminded us that, by our nature, we are social beings, even those of us who are naturally introverted. It is important that all of us make an effort to reach out to people we know and who may be struggling with isolation. We should also be looking for opportunities to help others financially, both in our own communities and around the world. Further into today's passage, St. Paul instructs us not to covet, but to be content with the things that we have. Here, Father Aaron stated that covetousness is a manifestation of a lack of faith in God's providence. This is not to give excuse for us to judge another person, nor should we evoke a sense of guilt, but rather that of compassion and grace. Finally, we were reminded that as Christians, we have hope. We have hope not only in the life to come, but also in this life. As Christians, we have an opportunity before us to live out our faith, and because we have received grace from God, we now have a responsibility to show grace to others in return. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God.